0: Signature win from Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we have a little bit of a special edition podcast here, not talking about any game or anything like that. We had planned on previewing the upcoming Big East season with Jay DeMeo. Uh, as we know, plans changed a little bit as uh, as Seton Hall came down with some COVID issues or earlier today. This is being recorded on a Thursday. Uh, earlier Thursday morning, they came down with some COVID issues. Now that game all of a sudden is in question on, on a Monday. So Jay and I talked a little bit about the... Covid procedures with the Big East, how Covid may impact uh, not only the Big East season but the college basketball season, and how it would really impact St. John's uh, if they were to lose a quad one opportunity on Monday night against Seton Hall, uh, if that game has to be forfeited by the Hall. We talk about the Big East, you know, plan for this, and and, and what changes the Big East might have to make to their policies going forward uh, if this Covid trends continues to go up. But we'll get to that, and then we're also going to talk. About about the Big East preview the Big East a little bit what does St. John's need to do against each opponent to get to the number of wins that they need to make the NCAA tournament to have a case for the NCAA tournament uh, where we think St. John's will finish in the conference Who needs to step up? uh, Who's been playing well? uh, Who's the X factor going forward for the Red Storm in Big East play? We touch on it all, and I do it all with Jay DeMeo, who's come on many, many times, fantastic guy, and uh, we're going to get to it right now. So here's our talk with Jay DeMeo about COVID, about the Big East, and about St. John's' chances and how they've looked so far uh, in the non-conference season. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, I now want to welcome on... Mr. Jay DeMeo, come on multiple times, and come on uh, a couple of times this season. We're going to talk St. John's basketball. We're going to talk the recent news uh, with some upcoming games for the Red Storm, and we're going to talk a little Big East preview as well. Jay, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Troy. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely, and let's get to the to the the breaking news or the the recent news. Uh, we're recording this at about four o'clock on a Thursday now. Obviously, we 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 planned on you know previewing the weekend for St. John's, previewing the game against Pitt, previewing the game against Seton Hall. Now it looks like that game against Seton Hall uh, might not happen. Still kind of up in the air as to whether or not Seton Hall is going to have enough players to play that game. Uh, if they don't, as we've we've come to know, the the Big East will give Seton Hall a forfeit, giving St. John's. Technically, I guess, a quad one win um, over over the Pirates, but obviously a forfeit win, a very tainted win at that. Uh, so your thoughts on you know the positives or the negatives, I guess, of, of not being able to play that game or missing out on that opportunity for St. John's?
1: Yeah, the whole situation just kind of stinks, to be honest. It's running rampant, um, COVID in college basketball. Um, literally about 30 minutes ago, Kentucky and Ohio State just got canceled. Bryant has had a game canceled with Cornell, I believe. Obviously, Seton Hall just got canceled with Iona, so... Um, there seems to be a lot, a lot of uncertainty around the sport right now. And, um, overall, you know, this obviously affects St. John's if they don't get that game in on Monday. And even if we were to get, you know, kind of awarded with a forfeit win come March, if St. John's is on the bubble or they're trying to evaluate a seed or what have you, you know, how much was the committee going to really look at that? Sure. That it'll be in the win column by a technicality, but are they really going to, you know, is that going to hold any water? Um, I would like, obviously, St. John's to play their way where that win won't matter whether it actually happens or not. But um, I think this hurts St. John's a lot more than it hurts sean Hall because we need that win more, and it's a lost opportunity if we don't get that game in.
0: Exactly. I think that game was kind of a... A win-win scenario or or not a win-win but like a a low risk high reward scenario you know you were going to go in as a pretty big underdog uh against the Seton Hall team that I think is ranked 16th nationally right now no one's really expecting you to win that was kind of a, a really good chance at a resume win uh right away to kick off Big E's play now that gets taken away and I think even at this point now you know uh four days away from that you know even if they do play that game it looks like Seton Hall is going to be pretty heavily undermanned so even if you do play that game and beat Seton Hall even that might come with a little bit of an asterisk you know where it's like yeah they, they got the quad one win they won at Seton Hall but they played against a team that had you know seven guys ready to suit up I, I just don't know if there's any way now that that opportunity for St. John's uh, isn't going to get taken away you know.
1: Yeah, I think if they do somehow get that game in, um, St. John's has to count their blessings, especially if, you know, (laughs) Seton Hall is only playing with seven players or whatever, and they even have walk-ons in. I know um, Jared Roden is one of the unvaccinated players on Seton Hall, Mm -hmm. and so is Bryce Aiken, so if if St. John's plays a game against the Hall and they don't have those two in there, you know, I really do like St. John's chances. Obviously, obviously, you don't know how the committee will look at that. I'm sure they would take into some consideration, but that's still a massive opportunity for St. John's. I can't remember the last time St. John's has won in Newark. Um, obviously, in recent memory, mm-hmm. we have the the, the, the St. Paul's <laughs> screw job, as our fans like to call it. There was that game the year before that and, uh, on New Year's Eve where yep. we came close and couldn't pull it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be during the Lavin era, the last time we won at the Prudential Center. So that place has kind of been a house of horrors for St. John's. So if they miraculously go in there and they're playing an undermanned, you know, Seton Hall team, you know what? Too bad on them. They don't have half of their team vaccinated. That's not our problem. Um, they, all of them knew the rules coming into this season where, you know, almost two years into this pandemic, everyone knows the risks that come along with, with sports nowadays. Um, you gotta, you gotta be able to play as many games as you can. Nothing's guaranteed. So, um, if St. John's can get that game in, um, they, they have a massive opportunity to get on the right track to start Big East play.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm curious. I, w- I want to get to the the start on Big East play as well in a second, but I'm curious to get your thoughts uh, on the on the the ruling by the Big East, and I think a lot of conferences have done this as well. That said, if you can't play a game because of COVID, you have too many positive tests, it's going to be a forfeit. You know, you're we're not rescheduling games here. Uh, it's going to be a forfeit. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I saw someone, I believe it was it was Theo on St. John's Twitter. I'm not sure if he's a listener to this show, but he made a good point that they should probably look into maybe revising that rule given kind of the way that you know the the covid cases is going now where it seems like it's it's way on the uptick now that rule may have been made you know i'm not sure exactly when it was made but i'm sure sometime in the off season when you know everything was kind of going well and where it looked like unless you had a lot of unvaccinated players on your team you weren't going to have too many issues with covid you know it looks like now it's going to be spreading everywhere so i'm curious to get your thoughts on that should it be an automatic forfeit or should the conference kind of look into now being able to reschedule games like they did last year
1: i think it all depends on um how rapid this new variant kind of spreads throughout the sport if you know games are getting canceled left and right i don't think college basketball is going to want to have you know you know league-wide forfeits all over the place you know that would just kind of be create a mess come March and, you know, on selection Sunday and just kind of changes the whole way. The committee would start to have to look at, you know, team's resumes. So I don't think, um, I don't think anyone wants to have to deal with that. Uh, I, I get why they put that rule in place. They definitely didn't think, you know, the, the uptick would kick in as much as it is, as it is right now. Um, they definitely put that rule in, you know, so they would hope coaches can get their players vaccinated so they, you know, they can say to their their players, hey, look at this rule, why even risk it? Let's get vaccinated and, you know, let's not even have to worry about it. But obviously, as we can see, um, some teams have been followed suit, like Seton Hall. I'm pretty sure most of St. John's is vaccinated. Um, I know we have a different set of state guidelines in new york compared to new jersey so you know i don't think st john should have to be too worried bearing we still get you know an outbreak knock on wood let's hope that doesn't happen but um regarding that rule overall i would personally like to see games just kind of get you know maybe postponed and remade up at a later date i don't think anyone wants to have a forfeit teams don't want to forfeit teams don't want to get forfeit wins it just kind of doesn't really do anything it just kind of leaves everyone with a sour taste in their mouth after everything so let's hope you know things can kind of get under control and we can actually get some games being played
0: yeah and and you know speaking on the the rescheduling games we we spent an entire season last year where it felt like what you know a bunch of games nationally, but even in the Big East, you know, a few games every single week were being postponed and rescheduled to this date. Uh, you can find an open date, I'm sure, for these two teams to 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 um to play each other because they did all of last year. Uh, as a as a fan, I'm sure you would agree. I'd rather see them play the game than get a forfeit win. Like I know that it's it's helped St. John's in the long run, I guess, but at the end of the day, I'd still rather see them play the game. Yeah, if they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose. I'd still rather have the game be played then get kind of like a fake win you know
1: Oh, yeah, exactly like I said if St. John's is you know on the bubble come selection Sunday and you know their committee's looking at mm, I wish St. John's had maybe that one more win that we could you know clearly put them in and mm-hmm. we don't have that opportunity with this you know if this could really come back to to bite them this really does you know if this game doesn't get played it's way more of a lost opportunity on St. John's than it is Seton Hall mm-hmm. and um, no one wants to forfeit even with COVID going on it's just the situation no one wants.
0: Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk how you mentioned you know give Saint John's a chance here to kind of get off to a good start in the conference uh, if this game does end up. As a forfeit, it would still go down as a one and zero record in Big East play for St. John's. Which, given how they've started Big East play in the last couple of years, I don't think anyone is gonna is gonna uh, turn their heads at that. But at the end of the day, it would give St. John's a chance to really get off to a good start here in conference play. Uh, I mean, you look at their their early conference schedule. You know, facing a team like Butler and Marquette at home, two teams that you know pick towards the bottom of the conference, and then going on the road against Georgetown and DePaul. I know both of them have had kind of big wins in the last week, Georgetown taking down Syracuse, DePaul beating Louisville, but those are still, you know, two teams picked to be at or near the bottom of the conference when it's all said and done. So, you know, it's it stinks maybe if if they're not going to be able to play this game to get the resume win, but in terms of of looking at the standings and the start that you can get off to in the conference, there's a chance for St. John's to, to get off to like a 5-0 and or a 4-1 and at the worst start, I would think, uh, if they are able to get this kind of forfeit win at Seton Hall, just because of how easy the schedule looks to start.
1: Um, yeah, you're hitting the nail on the head, Troy. I mean, that's been the theme of this team the last, you know, for as long as we can remember going back to the last couple of years, is starting off slow in Big East play. They did it last year. It happened, obviously, the 0-11 year with Mullen mm-hmm. um, before they beat Duke. Um, it happened with um, Shamori's last year here yeah. pretty much. So they have a golden opportunity. You know, the, the the schedule is very favorable for them. Butler is a game that on paper St. John should win. They've been one of the most underwhelming teams in the non-conference play for the Big East. Uh, same with Georgetown. They've lost a couple bye games as well. Um, Marquette, you know, they. I think they've – over uh, impressed yeah. uh, they've definitely impressed me so far up to this point but still another winnable game on paper these are games St. John's has to win you don't want to have to go into Villanova UConn Seton Hall having these games as must win games St. John's has to take care of business the conference is better this year um, there's a lot more depth so that provides more quad one opportunities um, even DePaul has looked good mm-hmm. but um I think the expectation has to be a four and one, or a, at worst, at worst a three and two start to get you know get off on on the right track and going back to the Seton Hall game. If, if they miraculously play that game, even if St- Seton Hall is on demand and you start one and zero in Big East Conference, I think that's a huge confidence yeah. booster to this team, especially the way the lackluster play that they've been having uh, with these mid-major teams.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think regardless of, you know, before we even knew about what was going on at Seton Hall, uh, I think everyone said this team needs to get off to, I would say, a four and one start or a three and two, like you mentioned, at the worst, assuming that one of those losses was going to be Seton Hall. If you look at now playing Seton Hall, either getting a forfeit win or playing a severely undermanned Seton Hall team, you know, there's a possibility now to get off to a good start. And like you said, they're going to need that because this conference is is just so tough right now. Uh, maybe we can get into that a little bit right now just the the depth like you mentioned of the Big East uh, I believe there's been they've had eight top 25 wins which is I think second in the nation right now uh, in the non-conference you know Villanova looks like Villanova although they've lost a couple of games Xavier looks like a top 25 team we've talked about Seton Hall uh, Creighton's been a surprise UConn's been very good Providence has looked good Marquette as you mentioned has kind of overachieved and as we mentioned even Georgetown and DePaul have some big wins in the offs- in the Uh, non-conference as well so you know what are your thoughts on the big east this season uh how tough is it going to be for st john's to finish where we thought they would at the start of the year
1: yeah it really seems like we're saying this every year but um it truly is going to be a gauntlet um the team that has really stuck out to me so far has been uh creighton they're a young team i thought they'd be kind of inexperienced and had their freshman growing pains i know they just lost uh a tough game the other night to, um, I forgot who it was. It was uh, Arizona State, yeah. They've had some really good wins. They beat <laughs> a, a ranked Iowa State team that they were a five point underdog in. Um, they're they're playing beyond their years so far. So Crane has really impressed me. DePaul has yet to lose a be, a, a bye game. The only loss <laughs> DePaul has is to Loyola Chicago, which is by no means a bad loss. They're one of the premier mid-major teams in the country. Mm-hmm. They're coming off a, a road win at Louisville, uh, a team in the ACC that was projected to be, you know, is firmly in the tournament. So. The the Big East is going to be a gauntlet. There's going to be, um, with that being said, even though it's tough, that presents a lot of opportunity to get quad one wins. Um, Very, you know, it it kind of takes the stress off you on road games. No road game is going to be a bad loss, even if it's at Georgetown. Mm -hmm. But um, these these games, they can't squander these opportunities. I think with how good this league this year is, um, 10 or 11 wins. That's going to get you in with how good this conference has been. Ten or eleven wins is going to probably lock up um, an at-large bid to get into the NCAA tournament, and then whatever you do in the Big East tournament is going to be house money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think you make a good point there that probably a 500 record in the in the Big East gets you into the tournament, especially if you look at Saint John's. You know, assuming that they can get a win over Pitt. On uh, on Saturday, a pit team that does not even look anywhere near a power conference team, you know, being nine and two going into conference play. If you figure that they get the ten wins in conference play, they'd be then nineteen and twelve heading into the Big East tournament. I would think they'd be right on the bubble. I mean, it's hard to to predict this uh, three months in advance, but you would think at nineteen and twelve and ten wins in the conference, they would be kind of right on the bubble. Um, I want to kind of run down with you though, and maybe go, you know, not team by team, but go through the schedule or, or go through these matchups and, and kind of think what we can see their record being against uh, these uh, a, a group of opponents. So uh, I'll start with this, for example. Against Georgetown, against DePaul, and against Butler, in those six games, what do you think their record will be in, in those six games specifically against Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler?
1: Uh, I could see them getting four wins there. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, I can't remember the last time we've uh, won at Henkel Fieldhouse. That place is also another house of horrors for St. John's. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care on paper how bad you know that <laughs> bowler team is. Anytime St. John's is going into that building, they just haven't gotten wins, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Um, on the other hand, all the other teams should be wins, I think. Paul could probably give us fits, you know. The DePaul's the reason we didn't make the tournament last year. They, If everyone remembers that yeah. that game, that pretty much the game to lock us up. And they blew it. So I don't ever want to overlook Paul. I know we do it every year, and it always <laughs> comes back to bite us. But that's a game they should win. Um, on paper, just Georgetown isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they, got um, – I forgot uh, – Harris, I think that's his name, the point yeah. guard who went mm-hmm. off in the Big East tournament last mm-hmm. year, Dante Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could he could present some problems. I think that's a good matchup with him versus Posh. that could be fun to watch. but those in those six games, i don't I don't think St John should go any less than four and two.
0: Yeah, I was thinking either four and two or even five and one. Like you mentioned, Butler is gonna be tough uh, to win on the road, uh, but but they should be able to at least I would think go two and one in those three road games. Uh, the next set of three is three teams kind of maybe in the middle of the pack or that we kind of foresee being in the middle of the pack uh, in the conference. that's Marquette. That's Providence and that's Creighton. Uh, what do you think their record will be in those six games against Marquette, Providence, and Creighton? Or what? Is, what does is their record need to be? I guess we'll ask. Um,
1: I think you could take three and three there. I agree. Um, yeah. four, four and two should be the goal, but if you can, I don't think you should get anything worse than three and three. You don't ever want to overlook a shock smart coach team. They've definitely overachieved at this point, but until we see them kind of squander. Um, we have to see it happen first. I know they just kind of got obliterated by. Mm -hmm. I think it was Illinois the other night, but um, or it was UCLA, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it it was UCLA that Mm kind of put the works on Marquette. But in in conference play, you can't overlook anyone. Um, Mike Anderson teams have had a. I think they're three and one against Providence, but. that the story of that game is going to be if we stop Nate Watson or not. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've been having some front court issues up to this point. Um, we did last year, but we were still managed to squeak out a win against them. But yeah. if we can limit Nate Watson, I think I, I'll take our the bet on the, the safe money on us against their guards. So if we limit Nate Watson, I think we could easily sweep Providence. But mm-hmm. that's again, you know what? I don't want to overlook anyone in this conference. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the the top four uh, top four teams: Seton Hall. Xavier, UConn, and Villanova. That's going to be eight games on their schedule. Uh, how many of those do you think they get? I don't think they're going 500 against those those uh, those uh, those four teams. But how many of those games do you think they get uh, that to make the that they would need to get to make the NCAA tournament?
1: Yeah, I was looking at these games. I think they're gonna. I think they could split with Seton Hall. I think they could split with UConn. Um, going to UConn is going to be a tough game. I know we won there last year, but there was no fans there. So it's a completely different environment. Mm-hmm. I think Xavier is really good. Historically, we haven't, you know, played Xavier well much last yeah. year was the first time we beat them in eight years or something like that. Mm-hmm. If, if Xavier is healthy, I know they've had some injury problems up until this point, but if Xavier is fully healthy, um, I kind of see them winning both games until St. John's, you know, shows me something else. Mm-hmm. um, Villanova's Villanova. I actually think we can get a win at Villanova. Villanova can't really shoot. Um, their big men can't shoot. I think we've seen Posh be able to lock down Colin Gillespie. I think that's a favorable matchup that we match up well with. Um, I said we would split with Seton Hall and um, who's the other team? Xavier, Xavier Seton Hall, yeah.
0: Villanova. UConn.
1: And UCon- And I think we split with UConn. So mm-hmm. what is that? Four and t- three and five, something like that?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that you need to go three and five. Uh, you need to get three wins against those four teams combined. You got to, I, I I'm with you. I think that you probably need to split uh, obviously against Seton Hall. You would, you would think now at this point. And then I would think you need to get a split probably with, uh, with Yukon. And then you try to just get one out of the three games, I think against uh, against Villanova and Xavier to get you the three wins. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the recipe for to get to 10 or 11 wins. Um, to get to 10 or 11 wins in the conference if you can get those maybe four wins against the bottom teams that we mentioned against against uh DePaul, Georgetown and um and Butler if you can get four wins against those and then and then go 3 and 3 really against Marquette, Providence and Creighton and then get three wins against the the big guys that's your path to 10 wins. I don't think it's like crazy to 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 say that that's how they would get to 10 wins. And I think that's a pretty solid resume as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this league, there's always games that you win that you'd expect to lose, and games you would lose that you'd expect to win. It's mm-hmm. the story every year. Mm-hmm. So ten wins would, I think, firmly lock them up. Uh, Eleven is just, you know, icing on the cake. If you get, if you're, if you win nine games, then you probably honestly have to do some work in the Big East tournament, mm-hmm. depending on who those wins are. If you have nine wins, but say you somehow swept an Xavier or you swept a UConn or Villanova, then you might have some. Uh, some boost in your resume, especially if you can also get a split with Seton Hall. But um, it all comes down to who the wins are against. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and now let's let's turn our focus to St. John's a little bit. And I'm going to ask you the burning question: How confident are you that they actually get to ten wins in the conference and uh, and make the the NCAA tournament?
1: I'm confident. I hate that I'm saying that because <laughs> like it burns me every year. But I'm confident. <laughs> there, they did it last year. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they can't do it again this year. Uh, we've seen that Mike Anderson teams you know, kind of get better as the season goes along. I think we've seen some encouraging signs, especially with the, uh, the blowout win we had against Colgate. Hopefully you want to see them kind of put the, their foot on the throats of Pitt and let's not even make that game a contest and let's go into Big East play with some, some confidence and some momentum. It's, gonna, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. But, um, I'm confident I had this team written off uh, (laughs) after the first five or six games in Big East last year, and they kind of turned it on when Mm -hmm. no one saw it coming. Mm -hmm. So I think as some players get confidence in themselves, you know, things can kind of change. It was really, it was really good to see Aaron Wheeler and Steph Smith really kind of turn it on against Colgate, especially Aaron Wheeler. I think he could really be an X factor if he can give them some production, um, I do have my worries with joel soriano on the front court i like isaiah nyway but um he can't stay out of foul trouble it seems but when he is on the court i think he's like a plus 47.
0: yeah Mm
1: so he's defensively he's been a gem it's just a matter of getting him out of foul trouble and you know keeping the development going of omar stanley keeping the development going of rafael pinzon to get all that depth that st john's needs um if st john's could stay off of the injury bugs, stay had a COVID. Um, those are, you know, the outside factors that can obviously hinder a team's season. Mm-hmm. But if, if they can, you know, have everything go as smoothly as possible and get some more development, because you know what you're going to get with Posh. You know mm-hmm. what you're going to get from Mattis. You know what you're going to get from Julian. And it's all the others. If they can contribute at a consistent pace, and I know we haven't seen it yet, but that's the big if. You don't want to rely on Julian and Posh playing 40 minutes a game. And Posh has already had an injury history. He can get banged up just because of the way he plays. Mm-hmm. So keeping the development going and all the outside factors limited, uh, I think there's no reason to believe they can't get the 10 wins.
0: And I think that it's, it's very, very important that they do have, I would say, four guys right now on this team that you kind of know are going to be solid contributors almost every single night, like you mentioned, Julian, uh, Posh Alexander as well. I think Montez Mathis at this point now we know that he's a fit here. He's going to he's going to give you solid minutes every single game, and I think Dale, Dylan Adewusu as well has really stepped up his game to the next level as well. Um, and you know sometimes you I guess you question his decision making a little bit, uh, but I would say those four guys like. In my opinion, you know what you're going to get every single night out of them. So it comes down to, like you mentioned, what do you get out of Steph Smith? What do you get out of Aaron Wheeler and Joel Soriano, um, or the freshman? What do you get out of them? So I, I think that the the how ultimately how the St. John season goes is going to be what do you get out of your transfers and what do you get or your transfers outside of Mathis and what do you get out of your freshmen? Because right now we know how good Julian Champagne, Posh Alexander are.
1: Yep, exactly. And another thing that you would want to kind of keep to build on, I'm not, you know, going to here to take down Mike Anderson. You know, overall, I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. But he's had some questionable coaching decisions lately. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's overall been good in with his in-game decision-making. And I'm not trying to be here and, you know, be the I-told-you-so guy. Because I'm not Mike Anderson knows more than any of us, but there's been times where he's had some questionable rotations. There's been times where we were kind of running away with the game, and he'll take out a starter or two, or he'll bring in Joel Soriano or Tariq Coburn, and we'll see a lead squander. Um, he's done it in Biggie's play before. Um, you would hope that he kind of he he kind of got the memo that he's got to maybe shorten the bench up if he has to. Uh, I think he did when he took Joel out of the starting lineup, but he still kind of puts him in spots that you maybe wish you'd see Omar Stanley come in. And there's times where he's got to kind of get a little better feel of the game, where there's Wins in Big East play that need to be had, and you can't, you know, get fancy with your rotations or try to play ten guys just so you can say you played ten guys. There's going to be times in Big East play where you got to have your best guys on the court at all times. And if guys are going to get mad or let their egos get a hold of them because they're mad that they're on the bench in that crunch time, oh well, so be it. You know that this isn't the time for that. That's what the non-conference was for, and we kind of saw that, saw that there was time and time again where he kind of let big Big leads go and let momentum kind of get in the other team's hands because of some questionable moves he made. So uh, I think you know, hopefully he can fix up those rotations and kind of get that you know a little more consistent
0: as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that depth is is something that St. John's has really used in under the or in the Anderson era, and I think that's something that we thought they were going to have this season. But like you mentioned, I just I don't I don't see how you can. Go 10 11 deep every single game in biggie's play and how that's gonna work uh, he does need to refine the rotations and I, I think we're starting to kind of see who deserves more playing time than others like we mentioned Nawai has 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 really looked good uh, in the limited time that we've seen him like you mentioned he's plus 40 whatever uh, in the minutes that he's played yeah I think that they're gonna have to cut the rotation down to you know eight guys nine guys uh, for biggie's play and I think that's you know obviously it's gonna lead to some guys not being happy but that's just kind of the way it goes. Um, I will. I will also say this, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, over the last week, I would say over the last two games, and even the last three games, if you want to throw the Fordham game in there, since since the Kansas blowout loss, they have, I think, taken steps in the right direction. In, in my opinion, uh, I, I wasn't overly impressed with the Fordham game or the Monmouth game, to be honest with you, but I did think that both of those were slow or small steps in the right direction and I actually was very impressed with how they looked uh, against Colgate especially in that second half I know Colgate was missing their their leading score but still that was an impressive performance offensively and I thought they were pretty uh, solid on the defensive end as well What's your vibe kind of going into Biggie's play in in terms of how they're playing since I think we hit a a rock bottom, I would say, against Kansas? Uh, It it seems to me like they're kind of on the up and up now and at least moving in the right direction that we kind of hope they would be going into Biggie's play.
1: Yeah, the biggest thing since the Kansas game was they've kind of limited the turnovers. You know, that was a very kind of uncharacteristic thing of a Mike Anderson team. So, our big reason, you know, we had that lackluster play was because unforced turnovers, us not being able to get easy buckets in transition, and just kind of, you know, kind of just beating themselves. I think that's kind of cut back a little bit. It's been good to see. Heading into Big East play, you know, I really want to see if Steph Smith can, you know, keep the momentum going. I was looking at him to be, you know, maybe the, third leading scorer behind posh and julian you know mm-hmm. this we brought this guy in to be a sharpshooter. obviously he hasn't got it really going from three yet but he's kind of got his mid-range going um if he can stay in averaging double figures heading into big East play play kind of give him some confidence back i think that'll be huge
0: all right so you mentioned steph smith and you, you can say you can say this if, if you want uh Who's your X factor though going into Biggie's play? Who's the guy that St. John's needs to really step up and uh, and play better than he's than he's been playing so far? Uh, who's your guy that, that needs to step up in Biggie's play? Uh,
1: that's a tough one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Steph Smith. Okay. Because if, when you bring Posh out of the game, uh, you, you've seen it. We've kind of had some troubles on who's handling the ball. Mm-hmm. You can tell Penzons not ready for that yet. Um. Montez Mathis isn't really an offensive first guard. He's he's kind of there for his defense, although he has impressed me with his offensive game so far. He's got he's contributed yeah. more than I thought. And I think I thought Steph Smith would be the guy to kind of lead the way and lead the offense when Posh isn't in the game. You know, Julian plays off the ball as well. So, um, I'm gonna stick with uh, Steph Smith. I think if he can give you ten plus a game and give you good minutes, uh, and and Contribute on the defensive end as well. I think that's a huge, huge, huge boost for St. John's. They haven't really gotten consistently this non conference.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. They need one more guy to be a consistent 10 point scorer. You know, you don't need, and I, I think Steph Smith is the most likely one at this point as well. You know, if you look at this team, you know, you have the scoring in Julian and Posh, obviously. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of Wusu and Mathis, like I mentioned. You need one more guy that can give you, you know, eight, nine, 10 points a game. You're not asking Steph Smith to go off for 15, 20 points a night. And, you know, if he can just be a little bit more consistent, and, you know, I mean, we saw it against, uh, against Monmouth and then against Colgate. If he can just play a little bit more consistent, I think that's huge for them because then that gives them five real options um, um, to play with. And to be honest, I think one guy in the front court needs to step up as well. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Soriano, Nawaye, uh, Omar Stanley, Aaron Wheeler. Someone's got to step up in the front court, right?
1: It's gotta be Joel. You don't have to, you know, guess or, you know, not say name. It's Joel. We brought him in here. We uh-huh. thought he was going to be the big. We finally got a, a seven-footer. We averaged a double-double at his prior school. We kind of thought the problem was solved before it happened. And, and it hasn't been solved yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I like what we have with Stanley, but he's a freshman. He's raw. He still has to develop. Same thing with um, no- 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 I- mm-hmm. So, And obviously, you know, the fan base has kind of been calling that we cut back Joel's minutes, but... It's clear coach likes him and he's gonna play, especially when it's matchup dependent against another big, which Sonogo or UConn or Watson and Providence. He's gonna be in there getting burned and they need someone that a big body that can match up. I do think there's something in Soriano that they can bring out of him. We just haven't seen it yet. You know, I think some of the things that they want to see out of him, like it's just all under his control. He's kind of played a little soft. He's letting guards rip the ball out of his hand. He's not coming down with rebounds that he should easily have. He'll have a guard switched on him in the midst match and he's not taking advantage of that what is back to the basket so those are all some things you want to see out of him that i think he can really you know boost his game and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason yet i don't know if it's the adjustment to a power six conference school or if the play is too fast and he's still adjusting to anderson's system but um he's had opportunities and he just hasn't gotten them there yet so i think um He's really got to be the big to step forward.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, they they need more out of someone in the front court, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. It's really got to be Joel. It's got to be him to uh, to step up. Well, Jay, thank you so much for uh, for giving us some time uh, this afternoon. Uh, you uh, tell us tell everyone where they can follow you on social media. I know that you have a couple things in the works.
1: Yeah, you could find me at Jason DeMeo One on Twitter. Um, I'm contributing for Johnny Nation. That's at Johnny Nation S J U and at Dally dose poops under Jaden the great uh Jaden <laughs> dally who is uh has his own independent college basketball site covering all the mid-major and local d1 teams i know he kind of does cover a lot of st john's because you know that's the main team in our area yep so you could find me there i'll have um if you're anyone's interested in some outside of st john's um stuff i'll be covering monmouth and hofstra on december 22nd i'll be heading down to monmouth covering that game and um hopefully i don't know when but at some point um i'm hoping to get the privilege to cover a st john's game for the first time so hopefully when i get that opportunity um i'll let everyone know about it and uh should be fun i'm looking forward to a good biggie season
0: definitely jay thank you so much for joining us today, and. Uh... Have a good rest of your day. I'm, I'm sure that we'll talk to you again at some point to uh, to break down a game at some point in Big East play.
1: play. Uh, yes, sir. Let's hope we stay uh, COVID-free. Uh, yes. Happy Merry Christmas, Troy, and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: You too, man. All right, have a good day. Thanks, bye. Okay, thank you once again to Jay DeMeo for coming on and talking about a variety of different topics there. Uh, as he mentioned, you can follow him on Twitter, follow his work uh, with Johnny Nation and with Daily Dose of Hoops. Um, And yeah, you know, it does kind of feel like we're entering... 2020 or, you know, early 2021 type territory here, at least, you know, last season type territory here where you can't get too attached to any games on the schedule and, you know, things may be kind of rescheduled or just canceled altogether uh, with kind of how COVID has progressed now in the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, hopefully this kind of goes away or the trends go down a little bit and we can get back to kind of the normal season that we've had so far because, you know, this season, the postponements and the cancellations maybe hurt a little bit more because fans have tickets to these games now. You know, I have tickets to all the St. John's uh, Madison Square Garden games. I was planning on going to a couple of Carnesecca Arena games, as I'm sure a lot of people listening to this show are. You know, when those games get canceled as well, obviously you care about, you know, the the health of the the student-athletes getting affected, but it also, you know, you have people paying money now for these tickets, and these games are kind of up in the air, which was a problem that we didn't really have uh, last year, since there were no fans in the building, but... Definitely feels like uh, like last season where, you know, we're getting a lot of games being moved around, you know, teams kind of picking up games on short notice. So we'll see uh, how the Big East handles it. Like I said, I I think that they have to change this rule about the forfeit. I think that they have to be trying to reschedule games. You're going to have a lot of games postponed now. I think that's kind of inevitable at, at this point over the next month or two. Uh, you're going to need to reschedule games. You can't have teams forfeiting games uh, left and right reschedule some games, find common uh, ground for these two teams, for these teams to play uh, as a St. John's fan. And as a basketball fan, I want to see teams play. I don't want to see forfeits. Uh, and, it, and at the end of the day, it does hurt St. John's, you know, not being able to play this game against Seton Hall takes away a, a valuable quad one opportunity uh, for the red storm. So you would hope that they're able to play this game. If they are able to play that game on Monday night, I will definitely have a recap of it out uh, right after the game. I believe it's supposed to be an 8:30 start. We'll see if they actually play it. Like I said, if they do play it, uh, there will be a podcast coming right after the game. So definitely, definitely uh, stay tuned for that. But for now, we want to thank Jay DiMeo once again for coming on. Uh, Hope everyone stays healthy and safe over this holiday kind of week or so. And, you know, hopefully everyone's able to, uh, you know, Remain safe and remain vigilant with everything here. And uh, yeah, I will be back hopefully next week, hopefully on Monday night, uh, with a recap of the St. John's and Seton Hall game. But until then, let's go, Johnnies.